0: Welcome to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Spotlight Series, the series that highlights the people, the companies, and the technologies that are shaping the future of retail. I'm your host, Chris Walton.
1: And I'm Ann Mazinga.
0: And today we are spotlighting AI in a conversation we are affectionately calling everything retailers want to know about AI, but are afraid to ask. And I'm pretty proud of that
1: one. I, I know you are. I can tell. I can tell. But we, this is a safe space. Everybody, there's a lot going on when it comes to AI, especially within our retail industry. So there this is time yeah. to ask those questions, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't
0: be surprised if you and I both show our ignorance many times throughout oh, this I'm conversation. Certain, certain. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So joining us today to share her considerable expertise on this subject, without further ado, is Amanda Saunders, the Senior Manager for Enterprise and Edge AI Product Marketing at NVIDIA. Amanda, welcome to Me Talk, and I hope you will excuse what is likely going to be a lot of elementary questions from us for you, as we sheepishly try to put our egos aside and try not to show our ignorance at times talking about this hot topic of AI. So yes, welcome.
2: You know, I think as they say, there are no stupid questions, so I'm really excited to be here um, and excited to talk about this. It's a really hot topic, as you said, and it's moving fast. So we're all learning together, and we're all, you know, trying to figure out where this, what this means for us.
0: Yeah, that's what they say. I don't know if I ever believe that, but that is what they say. Yes, yes,
1: yes. And we appreciate your confidence in us, Amanda. And we're just. We have to ask, though. I think, like, tell us a little bit about your background and how did you kind of come into this position in your role at Nvidia? Let's start there, uh, just to kind of give us and the audience some context.
2: Absolutely. So I've been at you know Nvidia for eight years now, so a, a, you know a good amount of time, you know, and and really you know learned uh, about AI as the company itself progressed into this space. Uh, so I've I've worked across numerous different roles and looking at everything from graphics, which is a huge area for, for AI um, these days and certainly for retailers, um, all the way into things like AI at the edge and how that's being deployed in stores and factories and warehouses. Um, and now we're hitting the hot topic of generative AI, which blew up uh, in the last, you know, let's go two or three months, but has been something that companies have been looking at for five years. Five plus years or so. Um, So so really spanned the gamut of AI topics within NVIDIA, and now I focus on you know leading product marketing for a couple of our areas, particularly focused on uh, large language models.
0: Got it. Got it. So we've got a real expert here, Anne. That's 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 a big takeaway here. There's a lot of yeah.
1: eight years of of experience seeing this kind of come come to life really imagine
0: yeah yeah we've got the resume in front of us all right so I'm going to plead my ignorance right off the get-go um you know and you kind of mentioned it in the lead-up which is that you know it's this generative AI thing is only a few months old really you know in in the minds of the the public for the most part in the retail community so what is generative AI like for everyone? like define it for us and how does it differ from those other garden variety AI uh, spaces that you mentioned in the outset?
2: Yeah, I love the term garden variety AI by the way, so we'll touch on that in a second. but but what, <laughs> what's what's new about, what's new about generative AI is is it's nice because it's actually in the name. So generative AI, it's enabling us to quickly generate new, content based on whatever the input or prompt that we're putting into the model. So inputs can be everything from text or images, sounds, animations, 3D models, sort of you name it. Uh, We can input a lot of different types of data into these models. And then what that model is going to do is it's going to use the neural network to identify some patterns and structures within that data, within that prompt. And it's going to come up with new and original content. So I mean, it's, it's generative, you know? Right. Uh, right. That's cool though. Like, I mean, that's it something I sense. never,
0: I never closed that loop until you just said that. That
2: makes sense. Exactly. I think, I think so many people are are looking for something that's, that's much more sophisticated than that, but, but really we named this one well. Um, and so you, then, then you have to think of, okay, so what is, you know, generative use cases? and And that's mm-hmm. where I think, Um, You know, today we're seeing lots of things like text generation, summarization, chatbots are are a big, hot topic. Um, And that can then span into things like image generation or video generation, um, which are all horizontal use cases being used by everyone. We all can understand them in our personal lives, in our business lives.
1: Amanda, how can we expect generative AI to really impact the retail industry? Most of our audience is in the industry Um, how do you kind of see that impact happening?
2: Yeah, what I love about this question is it's almost impossible to answer uh, in Mm. the long term. It's going to be transformative. Everything we do will be transformed by this. So I'd say, you know, we are scratching the the top of a very deep iceberg that has so many possibilities um, for where this could go in the retail space. You know, I think If we look at it generally, what retailers are gonna look to generative AI for is how they can um, use it to automate tasks, to add efficiency, um, increase their productivity, you know, and and drive that customer experience. Generative AI is great at replacing some of the manual tedious tasks that we as humans aren't necessarily great at. Um, We are much better at the higher level of thinking let generative AI take a lot of those, um, so more base level tasks, automate them, and then you as a human can go in and and, audit what it's produced. So let's start with some examples of where we're using it today. And maybe that will be another indication of where this could go. Um, Shopify, I think is a great example. We all know this e-commerce platform, um, lots of merchants putting their products there. And in order to do that, you have to create something as simple as product descriptions. And these can be, you know, t- tedious. Um, mm-hmm. They're important. They're important for search. They're important for marketing. Um, but it's it's sometimes difficult to come up with, with hundreds or thousands of these, depending on how many SKUs that you as a merchant have. And so Shopify created something called Shopify Magic, which is going to automate those product descriptions. Right. And that's so, based
1: off of images or how is it kind of co- co- taking that information in?
2: So you can, you can prompt it with text, right? So you can say, create me a product description for a bag. I want the product. I want the description to be informative, but sophisticated, or mm. I want it to be fun and edgy, or mm. I want it to appeal to, uh, users in the, or users, uh, you can tell I'm in the technology space. <laughs> yeah. <to customers. laughs> yes to customers who, uh, you know, are, are in the 20 to 40 demographic or something like that, right? So you can prompt it with a number of different things, and it's going to give you a response. And then if you're not comfortable with the first one, you can regenerate it, or you can add additional information, keywords, things like that. So and I you, think that's a really cool way to look at generative AI.
0: And you can also style it, right, for tone, right? Like using mm-hmm. the Seinfeld example, which we're you're a big fan of using Seinfeld references on this show like <laughs> like you could do the Jay Peterman version of that of that handbag if you wanted to and it would create it for you or you could do like a bargain basement like just get it done type of description as well right Amanda
2: exactly and I think that's what's so cool is you could actually say here's one of my existing product descriptions that I agonized over for hours create something like this and it yeah. can actually understand what you've given it and use that as a base for what it's going to create, not just its underlying model. It also uses that, that what we call a prompt.
0: What are some of the other use cases that are out there?
2: So I think another big use case is gonna be customer service. Um, we all, as, as retailers, wanna make sure that we're providing the best uh, possible experience for our customers, but it's hard, especially in this, this e-commerce, this digital world, You know, we're getting calls, texts, tweets, uh, emails, you know, whatever with with questions and concerns and things like that. Um, so Unilever as an example, is looking at this this challenge and they're using generative AI to sort through all of the, you know, customer service requests they get. and they're filtering out spam and bots and sort of,, um, you know, anything that doesn't need to be addressed by customer service. And then, not only do they do that, they then highlight those that are actual customer concerns or questions, present that to the the uh, customer service agent with suggested remediation. Here are some things you might want to help them with. Here are some ways that you can answer for them. You know, recommended solutions, things like that. So, if you think like that's that's a multi-step generative AI, identify the the right use cases. You know highlight those to the user and provide that customer service agent. So maybe they're they're day one and they have no idea what they're doing. Generative AI is going to help that customer service agent be productive right out of the gate.
0: Got it. So I'm curious too, Amanda, one one focus Ann and I've had this year, particularly in 2023, is, is highlighting technologies that can impact the frontline worker as well and improve their lives day to day. Are you seeing anything? Cause it's when you talk about AI, it's sometimes it's hard to understand how that could benefit them. Are you seeing anything in that space that, you know, is noteworthy in that arena?
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, the the experience of the employees, the of the assistants, the frontline workers, as you called them, that is so important. And AI is just as beneficial there. So uh, a great example is Sam's Club. So they've built a chat bot that can be used by their employees to ask questions about, hey, where, where are these items located? Are mm. customers looking for this type of thing? Can you recommend products in this area? You know, you can imagine if you're, you know, if you're the front line, and again, maybe you're day one, and you right. don't have all the answers, generative AI can actually mm. supply those to those frontline workers, and, and help automate their tasks. Um, you know, so I think that's, a lot of there's a lot of fear and concern about about jobs changing and and maybe being lost. Think of uh, generative AI as an assistant, an agent, something to augment your work, make it easier, make you more efficient, make you um, in a position to do the more valuable work while it takes sort of the the heavy lifting on the manual tasks.
1: Well, and Amanda, there's something with like the the Ask Sam, I think they call it at Sam's Club, inputs for that that. That then predictive AI is able to take as well is that right? Like you know just trying to help kind of constantly improve what are the inputs we're getting here from the generative AI interactions, and and then create like some sort of guides. Is that is that something that you're seeing too, or or how are you seeing kind of the predictive AI be applied to to these generative AI interactions? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think, so when you're saying predictive AI, it's really about getting the right answers there. So what we can do is use something called um, uh, reinforcement learning from, from humans to um, to actually augment responses. So if somebody says, hey, this was a great response, yes. it's gonna be more likely to give that response in the future. So it's it's a little bit combining um, those those ideas, but we can, as humans say, yes this was good or no this this wasn't exactly what i was looking for and i think that continually makes models better so that they can be more valuable in the future
1: and i think that's really interesting as we as we continue to you know, we AI has only been around in this sort of widely used consumer-facing application for, you know, six or seven months now. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of data we do start to collect and how the employee experience gets to be improved based on, you know, what we're learning from these interactions, how we're able to refine processes, to prioritize different things, and really just be able to, for the first time, kind of collect all and and analyze all this information that we haven't been able to as humans in the past.
2: Yeah. I think I think what's really cool about this specific aspect of of generative AI is it's a conversation. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be a I asked a question it didn't know the answer. It you can you can ask it in a different way, you can give it different guidelines and and the ability to actually interact and improve that that AI as opposed to I think typically AI has been seen, you know, more as a, you know, like a, like a slightly more intelligent phone tree, still annoying, but not quite, hey, not, hey. Right. <laughs> but better than, better than some of the alternatives. This is actually a conversation. You could actually talk to these things, um, improve upon them, and then, and then again, provide that feedback, create that loop so that this isn't, you know, AI is taking over. This is giving us a tool to, um, you know sort through that kind of data. Um, right. The data exists somewhere. We're now just putting a front end on it so that we can ask questions and queries of that data.
0: Yeah. And that's what's really interesting to me too what you said. Like you, you know, we hear all the time it's you know the technology is not going to replace the worker. And you know, sometimes we're like yes, no. But you know, in this case, from from my recent and nascent experience with it and Anne's too is is it 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 really is kind of an augmentation tool. Like it's almost like a performance enhancing drug for The worker in a lot of ways. It's like like steroids. I mean, you can just do so much more and be so much more productive. But from my experience, there's also a human touch to it to get the right prompts and understand how it works. And, And you can get to all those ideas that you weren't able to get to before. So my question on that front then is, as retailers are thinking about engaging with generative AI, what should they do to capture the most value from it?
2: When it comes to generative AI, there's a number of different ways we can engage. Um, the, the most basic and easiest and probably the one that we've all been doing since uh, it burst onto the scene is, is the consumption model. This is okay. using services that exist online. ChatGPT is going to be the, the hottest name in the market. Um, everyone's heard of it. Hopefully everyone's tried it um, and and they're experimenting with what it can do. These types of services, and there's there's many of them, obviously a lot of open source ones like uh, Dolly, um, obviously OpenAI with ChatGPT, um, but there's some closed source ones as well mm. that can be purchased. These are perfect for the general purpose use cases, things like basic chatbot. Um, Chat GPT understands English really well, and actually, a number of other languages are coming on board. So, as you're trying to get into you know different markets and different regions, um, you can still use that same tool. Um, you don't need to train your own model to understand that. You can leverage the tools that exist. So, I think that's the first approach: is consumption, understanding where are the areas where um, those types of tools make sense. And I think some of the best advice I've heard is is use it like a contractor. Give it only the information that you would give somebody outside your company who you were working with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a great rule of thumb there. The next one um, that we're seeing pretty heavily in the retail space is, is being able to purchase um, solutions from um, application vendors and things like that. And these are a little bit more customized, a little bit more tuned to the retail space. And um, generally, not always, but generally, have options for retailers to tune those models with their own data. So these application providers will work with you. Will you know tune things? Um, you know, like your customer service responses, like your manuals, uh, like your SKUs, whatever that data source that you want to tune that model with. These guys will help you with that. So I think purchasing is the next way to engage. And then the final way is is going to be important for certain um, companies and brands, and that's when you want to look at how, What do I need to build myself? Mm. Um, and here we're looking at you know what is the most valuable data you as your customer, you as your your organization has, and it may be things like your customer data and being able to build hyper personalized experiences. That's not necessarily something you'd want to trust to an outside source, and you'd want to build that internally. Um, it might be things like your knowledge base. Maybe you have a lot of expertise in whatever area you're in and you want to build a chatbot that relates to that. So um, there are different reasons why somebody would want to build themselves, but I think that's the third way to to really engage um, with generative AI. And it's all just going to depend on your use case.
1: Tell me a little bit about some of the, I know it's early, We it's hard to give a lot of success stories yet. But uh, do you have a few examples that you've seen with some of the retailers that you've worked with or observed of you know approaches where they're finding some of these earlier successes? They're finding efficiencies early on just by applying the the generative AI in the ways that you just you just went through.
2: Yeah, I mean, we talked about some of the examples where we're seeing it, and and I think there's lots more. I think you know, one, one great example is in the startup space for these retailers. So um, there's, there's a, you know, a cool uh, software startup called Vernique. Okay. um, And they've they've built an AI application called the Quinn Shopping AI. And think of this as your, you know, everyone wants a shopping assistant, um, you know, whether you've seen it in the the TV shows or or in movies, you know, everyone wants that, that assistant who's going to help them, you know, find the right items uh, near them that fit all of their requirements and make recommendations that maybe they'd never even thought of. And that's exactly what this application does. So it's helping shoppers make better, faster decisions. And then you can imagine as a retailer, that's great for you because you're giving your shoppers, your your customers that great experience and you're hopefully encouraging them to buy more products or products that they maybe wouldn't have considered because they were just buying what they were used to. So Amanda, think, how do
0: you spell that? Because I know Anne's already thinking about trying yes. that out. So how do you spell Vernique?
2: Vernique, uh, V-E-R-N-E-E-K. Okay. And the application is called the Quinn Shopping AI. So again, just a really cool um, you know, example of how this AI assistant, and again, going back to that augmentation or the shopper can help improve, uh, you know, the retail experience overall. Right.
1: I love the, I love the concierge being able to yeah. really, I mean, I, that's what I'm really excited about to be able to see how this starts to kind of take shape and be able to ask those questions. Like I like this shirt, but it's, you know, I'm, it's a little higher budget than I had in mind for this. Like, what are some other examples that you can share with me for, you know, that I could still get the look, but, you know, and usually that's with a person and it's, I love it. Cause it's kind of an awkward, question to ask sometimes too. So it's like, you can really bare your soul to this AI.
2: Exactly. <sighs> and I think that's a, that's, that's a great point is that we are more comfortable for a lot of us, especially as we're looking at the next generation that's coming in, talking to computers, talking to machines. Right. Um, we feel we can share more information. We can, we can be a little bit more open. We're not worried about the machine judging us because that's the great thing about AI is it really doesn't. Um, and so as AI is trained to become more empathetic, it can get even better at those conversations. But again, right now it's, uh, it's just providing that great assistant. And then when you find what you need, you can go into the store and talk to the real human and feel educated and informed about your decisions so that you don't find yourself embarrassed or, or whatever else, um, in that conversation.
0: So man, I want to push you a little bit too, because I think part of the issue in trying to understand this on the retailer side, the retailer executive side is everyone always leans towards the consumer use case that we can always understand. Right. And the shopping use case, like you just described that Vernique's doing is, is one that's pretty easy for us to put our heads around mentally, but like what's another example of something that's actually maybe from an operational perspective outside of the, the marketing examples that we hear a lot about, like, Oh, you can write more social media content and that kind of stuff. What, what's an ex- hardcore example of, that outlines what generative AI can do from an operational standpoint.
2: That's a great question because yes, we talk a lot about you know the consumers and and the customer facing once the product's built, but building products, um, creating mm-hmm. products, and creating new and unique products is is a challenge. Um, they say there's nothing new new in, on this planet, um, and so as a designer, as a um, you know, as a, an even as an engineer, it's it's difficult to come up with those. So in the in the retail space and the fashion space specifically, there's another startup called Fashionable mm. um, that I think is is pretty cool. They're using um, a generative AI to help create virtual clothing designs. Mm. Um, you know, so they can you know come up with a number of different ideas on um, how to create a you know sleek but um, comfortable and, you know, environmentally friendly uh, jacket that can be worn in these climates and these temperatures, that kind of thing. And it can come up with some models, um, come up with the designs that are, you know, possible. And then the designers can start from that. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't replace the designer. It's not like these clothes are going straight to the manufacturer, but it's saying, hey, based on what you've told me your requirements are, here are some options. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think for designers, uh, for some for some design processes is called creating scrap. Um, mm. This is a, a great tool to be able to come up with some new, innovative, exciting ideas that maybe you wouldn't have thought of because as humans, we're trained on, on what we know.
1: And Amanda, are they pulling inputs too from some of the interactions with consumers then to help inform that that those designs then too? I mean, I'm thinking about days of old where it was like Sheehan has people voting on, on <laughs> mock-ups. Oh, right. Like are they Thinkable. able to Yeah. <laughs> You know, last last year, December, Um, like, you know, just like how it it required, like creating this form, having people like voted up or down. But now, I mean, are they able to take that conversation about like, I wanted something like this, but more budget friendly to kind of take those inputs and select what products they're going to create?
2: I think they absolutely could. So so that might be an expansion of what they do today, but yes, you could certainly say, "Hey, these designs, so let's let's take it a different way." Yeah. Fashionable uses your own uh, your own data to help recommend designs because obviously you're going to have a brand, you're going to have a style, you're going to have um, you know, different things that you want the model to be trained on what you create. Yes. So you could certainly find ways to say, "Hey, this was really popular." what are other ideas that relate to this type of thing? And right. it may, it may, the the AI itself may identify things that a human wouldn't necessarily think, oh, that was the reason that was so popular. It was the color, it was the style. Um, now it's not trained on everything. So it's mm-hmm. not going to have the context of, potentially social media and, you know, the world events or, you know, fa- fashionistas and what's going on out there, you're going to have to tell it that information. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it absolutely could use data that way. Um, and then in the future, here's, here's like a, you know, potential idea of you could actually, before you ever produce a piece of clothing, you know, and actually there's plenty of retailers that do this today, but you could, you could put up the design, you could put up a photorealistic image that looks like right. the product on an been AI created. model. Yeah. Yeah. That, that looks like it's been created, put it on your website. And as people want to buy it, you create it. And right. you could imagine then it's, it's entirely personalized. It's entirely based on that, that, um, you know, the input from the customer.
0: Mm-hmm. But getting back to that example in your question, and like too, like the the whole steroids thing, like you can imagine a designer sitting there be like, "Oh, I like this design, mm-hmm. but I'm worried it's a little too expensive for my customer." Give me yep. tell, give me five options with different materials are used yeah. that bring the cost down, and then I can see exactly which of those I want to pick instead yeah. of having to design those five myself. When I am the original creator of the design, that's generating that conversation. So that's the augmentation here that's so cool and right. so powerful. But um. But Amanda, okay. So as we close it out, I'm curious too, like you you talked about all the different approaches retailers can take. You talked about the consumption model, the purchase model, the custom build model. How, if I'm a retailer, am I sorting through all that? How do I decide which one's right for me? Is it mutually exclusive? Like what challenges should I be on the lookout for as well as I'm going through that thought process as an executive across the organization?
2: So I think the, 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 the biggest fear and the biggest challenge is going to be sort of the paralysis by analysis. These are not mutually exclusive. Get mm-hmm. started, start experimenting, build the expertise within your company um, to start learning. And, and, and for whoever's listening on this podcast, you're already taking the first step um, into you know, what is generative AI and starting to think about what it could do for your business. But um, this will be a competitive advantage. It will be a game changer. It's transformative. So Waiting until you're at the final stage and everything's finalized is, is you're waiting too long. So I think that's first. So build up that expertise and start learning now. Um, I think the other things that you're going to want to look for are, you know, understanding your data. What makes you as a retailer as a company unique, and how best to, to leverage that data. Mm-hmm. As I said, there's lots of use cases where, you know you can use the, the general purpose tools that are out there. Um, you can use them as, as AI assistants um, in your day-to-day life, in your business, um, that that might suit for a lot of the use cases you're looking at. But if you've got really valuable or really domain-specific data within your company, most companies do, think about how could you turn that into a value add either to your employees, to your customers, or to your, to your operations processes. Um, once you do that, you can then take the next step to say, okay, do I have, do I have the expertise in house? Do I have the tools and skills? And am I willing to invest in the infrastructure to go build this myself? Or do I need to see if there's somebody out there on the market who's already built this and I can work with them and and engage with them? So I think those are, those are some of the, the biggest questions to ask. And then um, the other piece that I want to touch on is, you know, is, is data um, privacy, data licensing, you know, all of these are big uh, focuses mm. and concerns for AI. So making sure that, again, you have the expertise in-house to understand that and that you're using your data wisely is going to be, um, you know, a key area to touch on. And that's going to vary for every single different customer.
0: Yeah, there's a big aha in what you just said for me. And I and and I never thought about this until manager said it is like, you know, if we get back to the augmentation side, the steroid thing again, like, yes, as a retailer. Understand what data you have available in terms of what you do best day after day after day, Mm -hmm. and then just supercharge that. That's the place to start because that's going to probably bring you the most value because you're just going to do for the market what you do best in a much more powerful way, much more bigger way, much more rapid way, much more efficient way. That's cool. I never thought about that.
2: Yeah. Be unique. Be you. Don't change who you are as a company, as a process. Um, use this tool to augment what you already do best, I think is exactly right.
1: Mm. Well, and Amanda, to do what you're talking about as a retailer um, requires a lot of compute power. Um, how How is NVIDIA kind of helping provide the tools and the resources for retailers to do what you're just talking about, to really expand on what they're really good at, to be able to get the most out of you know their unique offering to the industry?
2: Absolutely. You know, NVIDIA, we've been in this space, as I said, for years. It, it blew right. up in the public eye, but but we've been doing research, we've been doing development, and we've certainly building um, sort of the tools and capabilities. Uh, so, you know, the first thing that we're doing is we're supercharging the ecosystem, um, whether that's, you know, the open AIs, Google, Bards, um, open source of the world. We are actively engaged in there. Um, and helping them build their models. So that, that we've done without you ever even asking. Um, the, the retail ecosystem and the ISVs and that, we have a whole program called NVIDIA Inception where we actually work with these, these um, uh, application builders. We help them with their code. We, we help them use the tools that we have. And then we help market them out into the space so that you're able to find great, Uh, high quality generative AI um, applications that are out there on the market that solve retail specific needs. Um, So we talked about a couple of them there today but we've got many more that are in our ecosystem. And then from the customization side, this is an area where we're building out a whole tool set. Um, So things to help you train um, and customize models at scale. This is going to be um, one of the biggest uh, areas of growth for the AI space and for AI developers and researchers is how do we build and customize generative AI models? Um, We expect there will be thousands um, out there, hundreds maybe even per company. So um, this is going to be a big area. And so we're providing the tools for that. Another thing that we're working on is providing guardrails. Mm. Generative AI is one of those those, uh, areas where, uh, we hear a lot about uh, hallucinations, is what we call it, um, or when the generative AI produces an answer that is totally out of left field. You have no idea where it comes from, and it's probably right. not right. As a retailer, you want to protect yourself against that, so we're adding guardrails that would allow you to tune a model um, to one only answer questions on your topics, um, put safety guardrails in there to make sure that it's providing appropriate information, that it's not just going off on its own and 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 surfacing internet uh, information that it's found on the internet. and then of course uh, security guardrails, making sure that it's be, the model is being connected to only through um, safe third-party external applications, those types of things. So tools to help you build, tools to help you safeguard um, and then tools to help you scale. So, Which- it is a huge part of this too
1: and i'm so glad that you mentioned this amanda because i i do think that's a that's a hard thing for a lot of us to understand right now too as we're applying generative ai to our businesses like what are those guardrails how do we make sure that we are honoring you know the privacy of our consumers that we're honoring the intellectual property of of people that the you know the data that we're pulling from Um, any other things you'd throw in there as like a watch out for retailers listening?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, and then the other thing, yes, exactly. The other thing we'll provide is, um, we can show you how other people are doing this. We can share with you examples. Mm -hmm. We can share with you, um, Mm -hmm. you know, how to's, um, we, we produce a lot of, um, information on nvidia.com. Um, and for those who are in the active building um, side of this, we actually have an entire technical blog that goes into deep uh, details about how to customize, which models to choose, uh, which techniques are going to be best to achieve what you're trying to do. So um, we've touched along, uh, you know, as you said, a lot of the, the questions that everyone's afraid to ask. What are we doing with this? How are we doing it? If you really want to get into the details, um, they're all on NVIDIA.com. Um, so. Uh, please check that out, subscribe, and we'll continue to share information as we're coming out with it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. We'll try to get some of those resources in our podcast description too, because man, this has been a fascinating conversation. Like this time has blown by it. And I've just, I look down at the clock. I'm like, oh my God, we've been, this has been, we've been going at a good clip. It's just really interesting subject matter.
1: Yeah, it helps to, I think, have experts like you too, Amanda, who are able to, you know, just give us an understanding and keep giving us examples. I mean, I mm-hmm. think that's really the best thing about this being such a, a big topic in the industry right now is you cannot have enough examples of how people are using this. And I think, you know, NVIDIA clearly clearly a big part of the success of these retailers. Um applying this technology, so i I'm so thankful that you were able to share more of those with us on uh, on the show today.
2: yeah, I, I mean it it is it's changing so rapidly. it's growing so fast. as I mentioned, all the things we're talking about today, these are just the tip of the iceberg. yeah, so you know i'm I'm actually you know just as excited even though you know it feels like we're at the forefront of this. you know, I can't wait to see what comes next, and I think um that's that's going be the key. Get started. Start investing. Start doing your own learning. Mm-hmm. No matter what your role is, you don't have to be a, an AI developer to start learning. You know how this can be used today. Um, experiment with the tools that are freely available, um, and then and then figure out where it makes sense to implement.
0: Yeah, you know, that's a great point to close on too. And I have no idea, you know, how many people are listening to this and at what level. But like, you know, I think about this back in my day when I was starting out at, at the Gap, and like whoever knew, knew how to use Excel man, they just had like a leg up on everybody else in that organization. It's going to be the same thing with Chat GPT. It really is. You know, that, that is going to be how this works. And uh, you know, my big takeaways from the conversation just to close it out and then we'll give thanks to Amanda is like the the new part, like the definition around generative AI being about creating new things. That's really seminal to me in my head. And then the other point is using it to do what you do best better. Like those are, those are my big takeaways from this conversation that, before sitting down with you today, Amanda, I, I I know I didn't know, I don't want to speak for Anne, but I know I didn't know, so, so yeah, thanks so, so much. You. Thanks for making time for us. If people want to get in touch with you, pick your brain, get in touch with NVIDIA, leverage their expertise like you described, what's the best way for them to do that?
2: You know, we actually have a whole team uh, who focuses on retail. Um, so if you, if you reach out to us at retail at nvidia.com, hopefully pretty easy to remember, um, you'll get in contact with us and they can they can put you in contact with me if you're interested in specifically learning about generative AI and the work we're doing, um, but also all the work that we do in the retail space. Um, there's a whole team of experts there. So, so yeah, don't hesitate to reach out. Awesome.
0: Well, again, that's been Amanda Saunders of NVIDIA. Thanks again for sitting down with us. And in behalf of all of us here at Army Talk, as always, and take us out. Be careful out there.